The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Monday, February 20th. Today is President's Day, but instead of honoring the president, we have anti-Trump protesters coming out for not-my-president rallies. Of course, U.S. Today had to cover that. That's a very important story, and there's a lot of spinning on it. After all, fake news has to get a headline, and they have to stir the pot. Hey, if you did not catch Friday's show, a couple of great young up-and-comers, Christians, they're exposing Hollywood, the industry, the Hollywood industry, as I call them, They're exposing so much between these video games and movies and the DC Marvel world of comics. This is a trillion dollar industry to give our children a 24-7 cornucopia of indoctrination, just a steady diet of this garbage. It is frightening. So if you did not hear that show, do go back and listen to it. Very good stuff. My 16-year-old actually thought they did a really good job, considering these two guys have read comic books their whole lives, which really gave another perspective on things. So if you have not listened to Friday's show, go back and listen to that. It is Chris Taylor and Rory Brown. And a final reminder, do subscribe to my YouTube. My website is now moved over to another host company. So if you're having problems and you're not able to access my website, I just want to mention to people to please refresh your browser or restart your computer. Some people have older Windows computers, so that URL is giving people some problems. So please refresh your browser or restart your computer. It should work if you're using XP. Um, There's a good chance with the new security on my website that you might not be able to get into it. If you have any problems, just email me. And don't forget to subscribe to MixLR because that's the daily show. And when the website is having issues like it did last week, I was hacked. And so I've completely moved my domain and my hosting totally over to somebody else that has way more security on my new website. So hopefully a few issues will get resolved just by moving my website to a much better hosting company. Well, I want to jump right into the show today because I have not had him even on my show in 2017. I've been chomping at the bit to have him on. It is my pleasure to welcome the one and only Augusto Perez back to the program. Augusto, welcome to the program. Such a pleasure. Good to be with you, Sheila, in 2017. Well, I'll tell you what, Augusto, if January and this part of February is any indication of the insanity that we're in for. Boy, we're in for quite a ride, aren't we? Yeah, 2017 is um, is fixing to be a pretty intense year. However, uh, I am very glad that we have this uh, timeline we are in right now where we have a new president, Donald Trump, and uh, instead of Hillary Clinton, Obama, you know, we, we would have had a three-headed monster had Hillary Clinton won the presidency, yeah. which would have been herself, her husband, and Obama. He was really running for a third term. So uh, I am happy that that is not the case. 
But I understand that we are in for some really tumultuous times, nevertheless. Right. Well, there's a lot of authors and there's a lot of prophetic ministries that have said, and this goes back to even early 1900s, even before that, that 2017 is a very significant and prophetic year. Do you agree with that? I do. I do believe uh, and agree with that um, because this is um, a very important year in more ways than one. Uh, First of all, I have been preaching this now for a while that we are in a jubilee year, not just any jubilee, but uh, really uh, I believe to be the last jubilee because simply uh, the next jubilee would be uh, 50 years from now and i if if the lord has not come if the lord has not done what he said he was going to do in the bible prophecy uh, soon in the next several years uh, you know he is certainly not going to do it 50 years from now because uh, that that generation that jesus said would not pass until you know from the time that israel came back to, uh, to, uh, to Palestine. He said, that generation that sees that coming, that sees the fig tree blossom, okay? Uh, Israel is a type of the fig tree. That generation that sees all these things coming, uh, all these things happening, will be the generation that sees my return to planet Earth. So, uh, you know, it's not going to be another jubilee, Sheila. This is it. And uh, this is not just any jubilee. This jubilee comes on the heels of the blood moons of the two tetrads, which happened in consecutive years, which everybody talked about it, and uh, also happens to be the 70th 7-0 jubilee after uh, or since the uh, Joshua crossed into the promised land, and also happens to be the 40th jubilee since Jesus Christ declared this day has been fulfilled, or, or you know that prophecy about Isaiah 61 has been fulfilled this day. And he was talking about, you know, the, the healing of the brokenhearted, the restoring of, the, of uh, everything that people had lost. That very powerful, very beautiful prophetic uh, uh, scripture there in Isaiah. Jesus, when he opened the scroll in the synagogue, he basically said this is fulfilled today. So uh, th- this is not just, uh, a little thing. This is very big for a, uh, such an important jubilee year. Uh, in addition to that, uh, this is also the the next jubilee since Israel recaptured Jerusalem in 1967. And so, uh, you know, it, that is a powerful, powerful prophetic uh, symbolism there. That uh, 50 years ago, in the last jubilee, Israel recovered uh, Jerusalem, and the previous uh, jubilee before that was, of course, in 1917 during the Belfour Declaration, that paved the way for them returning to uh, the land of Israel. So you know this this is a very important jubilee, no doubt about it. What is going to happen? I don't know for sure, but I do believe this is a very powerful prophetic year. I do believe that Israel is going to see some incredible thing happen this year. We are seeing the push for um, uh, for the United States uh, embassy to be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and this could happen this year. We could see the beginning of the building of the temple this year. If Jerusalem is declared the capital of Israel, uh, Sheila, that will pave the way for the 
building of the temple. That would just destroy the uh, the Jerusalem being the international city, at least for now, because that would make Jerusalem the city of Israel and allow them to build that temple, even, even if later they come back and uh, make Jerusalem an international city, which I believe it will eventually become that. It will become uh, probably the, the seat of the United Nations, uh, probably the seat where the Antichrist will rule from. But for now, that may probably serve them to be able to initiate the building of the third temple. So it is an incredible year. And and then on the Christian uh, aspect of things, I believe this is going to be a year where we're going to see the the beginning of the greatest uh, revival, the greatest ingathering of souls that we have ever seen. And that was the main reason, Sheila, for... Uh, for Donald Trump winning the presidency, really. Yes. That was the cry of my heart. It's, it was not for America, although America, we need peace in America to do the work of God. We cannot uh, operate in bondage, uh, under persecution, uh, you know, under tyranny. We, we, we can't do that. So we needed America to be free to allow us uh, a semblance of, uh, of, of freedom and peace so we could do what we need to do. So... I do believe that um, 2017 is going to be a spectacular. Again, exactly what will happen, I, I don't know for sure. The Lord has not shown that to me, but it's going to be special. Well, when Jesus was here on the earth, you know, we could probably take a clue from him because, you know, people say to me all the time, why do you worry about that prophecy stuff? But hey, Jesus himself, who we should probably again take a clue from, he rebuked his disciples, Augusto, for not being able to discern the signs in the sky. Look at he says in Luke twelve fifty four. he said to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, immediately say, there comes a shower, and so it is. And when you see a south wind blow, you say, oh, there's some heat. But he's really saying, but how is it that you're not discerning the times? Yeah, it's a, it's a rebuke. It's an open rebuke to the people for not uh, being able to discern the time of their visitation, which was a tremendous time of their visitation, uh, where the Messiah was coming to visit them. And as the scripture said in the, the gospel of John chapter one, he came to his own and his own received him not. Yeah. And so, uh, the Gentiles wound up receiving him. Then that that's why he says to them that received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God, so uh, he came to the vine, to the you know to the fig tree, and the fig tree uh, <laughs> had no fruit, and he cursed it, and he actually cursed it in one of his uh, in in the scriptures in one of the gospels. He cursed the fig tree because he had no fruit, and uh, it was not just uh, an instance, Sheila, where Jesus Christ was walking around and he became hungry. He went to a fig tree and found no figs, uh, and he cursed it. That was more than just a, a an occurrence. It was symbolic. It was prophetic in the fact that uh, the, the Almighty was going to curse the, his fig tree, Israel, because it was not fruitful. Even though he, he had tendered it, he had cared for it, he had watered it, and they, they were totally fruitless. It was fruitless. They were cursed, and that is basically what happened there uh, when Jesus said that their city was going to be destroyed, not a stone was going to be left uh, one upon another, because you knew not the time of your visitation. 
And a lot of people don't understand that that prophecy, Sheila. And they're still they're still uh, you know waiting for a future time when that prophecy will be fulfilled. But that prophecy was fulfilled then. That prophecy was fulfilled then. That was the abomination of desolation. And I know a lot of people disagree with me. And I get emails and all that. That's fine. Don't even bother because I have, <laughs> I have done a lot of research, done a lot of praying for years about this, and I have received the revelation from heaven that that happened already in the 70 AD. The Roman soldiers surrounded Jerusalem, and uh, you know, and then they went into the temple and uh, desecrated it. That was the abomination of desolation right there. The Roman soldiers uh, were not allowed to enter the temple. And uh, that's why he says, when you see that, which ought not to be, you know, and so forth and so on, you know, the scripture, when you see that, with that you know, that abomination of desolation, you know, that they, um, they wanted to desecrate the, the, the temple and put a, a statue of the Roman emperor there. I mean, all kinds of ungodly things, but uh, the, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed completely, wiped out, not a stone left of one upon another. And then Jesus says, when that happens, that is going to be the, desol- uh, the abomination of desolation. As it says in Matthew 24, 15, when you therefore see the abomination, shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let them who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him who is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them which are with child, and to them that are nurse a child in those days. And pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, not this time, nor shall ever be. Now, when that happened, Sheila, that, nothing like that had ever happened in the land of Israel. A lot of people were massacred. Those that remembered, okay, the Jews that remembered the prophecy of the Messiah, when they saw those armies, because the army surrounded Jerusalem, okay, and then in a miraculous way, they were called back, the, uh, you know, the Roman, uh, the man that led the, those armies, Titus, yeah. he was called back. And then he returned, okay, a few days later. That gave an opportunity to the Jews that had seen that happen, and they saw those massive armies around Jerusalem. They knew that was the sign the Messiah had given when they see that to run to the mountains for their safety. Those that fled were saved. Those that stayed and ignored the warning of the Lord Jesus Christ perished. They were killed. And he was merciless. They were butchered. It was a total. Uh, it, it was. It was horrific what happened there in Jerusalem, and so uh, that is why it says there that there has never been. There was never anything like it until then, nor shall there ever be again. And so it was a horrific butchering massacre that happened. Then the the the, the city of uh, uh, of Jerusalem, the temple was destroyed. It was run over, and so. Um, now, there's another scripture which uh, I also look at, which is very, very telling. In Luke 21, 20, it says, When you shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies, then know that its desolation is near. See, there Luke uh, wrote it in a more clearer way. 
And this is why when you read scripture, it's good to uh, put line upon line, precept upon precept, precept a little here, a little there, and then put it all together because it forms a puzzle. It, it forms a beautiful picture. If you put this one together, Luke 21, 20, with the scripture we just read in Matthew, you begin to see a more complete picture. Here, Luke uh, says that you shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies. Okay? Then know that its desolation is near. You see, now he uses there the word desolation. Now we begin to see the word, the abomination of desolation, okay? It was a desolation because Jerusalem was desolated. It was an abomination because it was done by the Roman armies, which were uh, horrific, merciless, without pity, without mercy, without compassion. And they entered in there and they desecrated the temple. And I mean, it was horrific. You want to read the story, read Josephus. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that again, they in that scripture, he repeats, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of it depart not. Let them, let not them that are in the country enter into it. These are days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to them that are with child. The story goes, Sheila, that mothers that were, uh, uh, you know, pregnant mothers, their bellies were ripped uh. and the the babies aborted right there. I mean, it, it, it was horrific. I cannot even describe the things that were committed during that time. It was horrible. It was horrific. It says, and to them that nurse children in those days, for there shall be great distress. Again, the word there, Sheila, is this. He uses in Luke, distress. In Matthew is tribulation. The same thing. Great distress. Great tribulation. Okay? It's the same thing in the land and wrath upon his people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Now here, Luke writes a little more detail, uh, you know, a little more about what will happen. And that is the Jews were taken captive away into all the nations. And we know that happened in history. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Yeah. Now that that prophecy was fulfilled, Sheila, when Israel, when the Jews came back to Israel, that is when the time of the Gentiles, okay, was fulfilled. At that time, that is when it, the clock began to tick again. That generation that Jesus uh, talked about, when the Jews returned to Zion, and then he says in verse twenty-five, see, from there, from that scripture and Luke twenty-one twenty-four. When Jerusalem, when Israel returns to Jerusalem, okay, and Israel to their land, in the next verse, it, seem, it seems like the Lord Jesus Christ makes a parenthesis, and from that time, from the time that Israel was, where Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the, Jerusalem was invaded, and the Jews were, uh, were taken captive and, you know, out into, scattered throughout the whole world. There was a parenthesis there, it seems, in this prophecy, and then the Messiah refers to the future. He kind of picks it up in the future where we are now or where we are entering now in verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, man's hearts failing them for fear and for looking towards those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. 
And then right after that, verse 27, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then he says in 28, to end this uh, quotation, when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. And in the following verse, Sheila, there's where he talks about the fig tree, which I mentioned at the beginning of the program. Uh, he says, look at the fig tree and all the trees, okay? When they shoot forth, and you know of your own selves, the summer is now near at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is near at hand. Okay? And I say unto you, verily, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So he puts the limit of one generation. What is one generation, Augusto? Uh, 70 years, I would say, 80 years. That is what Scripture says, uh, a man shall live. Some, some people live more, 90. Some live uh, 100 or more. But most people die between 70 and 80. 70 and 80. And that is what I believe is to be a generation. So that generation began, the clock began in 19, I believe it was in 1967, mm. when Jerusalem was uh, recaptured. And so that brings it to this to this uh, year that is 50 years, Sheila. Yeah. However, 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 if we go back to when the Jews returned to Zion, that was in 1947, 48, around there, 47, which makes it 47, 48 would be 70 years in, 19, in 2017 and 2018. So that is just too many prophetic symbolism, prophetic uh, marks, prophetic timelines that cannot be ignored. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm not out to judge any man's heart, Augusto, but I've got to say the, and I guess I'm saying it on the heels of, for example, I have a friend that he always jokingly says to me, Sheila, I'm your pre-trib rapture friend because he knows I subscribe to a post-trib rapture. However, the point is, are you surprised with the level of absolute infighting and arguing over scripture? The emails that I get, I am absolutely relegated to the depths of the damned. And those are the nice ones because people disagree with my theology. But here's the thing. I don't judge anyone's heart. You know, I always say if you throw 100 pastors in a room, they're probably not going to agree on every little thing. But I'll tell you what, I have never seen the level of hatred, absolute venomous hatred expressed by Christians when they disagree on doctrine. I mean, unless it's a salvation issue, really, I mean, this is getting vicious. And this is coming from so-called Christians. Are you seeing that, Augusto? Are you surprised by this? No, I'm not surprised. Um it's it's normal to have a discrepancy of uh, of opinions. The problem is when those opinions, uh, when men or, and or women allow those opinions to become a point of uh, of uh, of anger, a point of the of, of disunity, a point of uh, strife, and uh, they start fighting. You know, we we have a right to disagree. Every person has a right to disagree. That that has always been. 
It happened in the days of the apostles. The apostles disagreed, and they were the apostles. But the problem is when people start being disrespectful, they start launching critical comments to uh, to destroy the character of another person. Uh, another brother, another person, uh, saying unkind things. That is not right. The Lord does not condone that. Uh, They need to repent. Everybody has a right to voice their opinion. But when people become dogmatic about it, and that is the problem I see, Sheila, there is not the ability to have a dialogue, to have a dialogue with other men of God (laughs) who disagree. And, you know, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the truth. Everybody obviously thinks they have the truth, but the problem is not everybody cannot have the truth. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> we'd be in deep trouble. So there are uh, levels of truth, and then there are levels of truth. What the Lord has shown me is this, to answer your question. We all have pieces of truth. We all have parts of the truth. Nobody has all the truth. Whenever any one person thinks that he has all the truth— and everybody else is wrong and is re- and refuses to admit that he could be wrong, that person is already falling into deception. It's, it's already deceived. That was one of the first things that the Lord had to teach me during my years in the wilderness. And that was, I did not have all the truth. And many of the things that I thought were true, many of the things I thought I was cocksure that it was, I had the truth because I was proud, because I was arrogant, because I was uh, inflexible, stubborn. The Lord had to break me because uh, humility is one of the first signs of wisdom, of true wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The Bible says. But humility is the fulfillment of wisdom. Mm. Without humility, no one will ever have true wisdom. Because the Lord resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And so if a person refuses to admit that they're wrong and refuses to repent and say, look, I I, I was wrong, that is the beginning of wisdom. And the Lord will uh, impart much more wisdom. So the brethren out there, you know, every one of them has a right to disagree. Some believe in pre-trip, other post-trip, other mid-trip. I personally, I'm kind of a, you know, I have gone through all that gamut. I have gone through the pre-trip. I have my post-trip, mid-trip. I, I have studied it all, and they all have some truth. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I happen to believe in pre-wrath. I have studied scripture. I don't see any of those terms in the Bible. I do believe that we are not appointed unto wrath, the wrath of God, okay, not the wrath of men. The church is already suffering uh, persecution and and the wrath of men right now, Sheila. You know that China, they're killing people uh, mercilessly. I I received photos from them, uh, from the missionaries there in China. They're they're literally killing people. They are uh, beating them. They are torturing them. They're doing horrific things to the Christian people there in China. Same with other Muslim countries. They're being decapitated. So we are suffering the wrath of man and the wrath of the devil, but we are not going to experience the wrath of God. And so that is the key point here. And that is why I don't get into arguments. The Lord forbid me from getting into arguments anymore with anybody. If I share my truth, Sheila, and somebody doesn't agree with it and they want to argue, I politely decline and I say, well, God bless you. See you later. 
and I refuse to do have anything more to do with those people. Those people that cannot reason, that cannot accept a truth coming from another brother, even if it is opposite to theirs, they will not accept it. They will not hear it. They don't want. That person only wants to argue and fight. The Bible says, "Have nothing more to do with them." Yeah, that's what the Bible says. So that is what I do. I. People that all they want to do is fight and argue, and they want to win the argument. All they're interested in is winning the is winning the argument. They don't care about truth. Those okay. people don't care about. I guess truth. though, it's different if somebody approaches it out of a spirit of love, just to get clarification. Don't get us wrong, listeners. We're not talking about somebody that humbly, gently. It's how it's all in the approach too. Because if they say, "Brother Augusto, I just I don't understand," it's different if they're trying to seek exactly. it, isn't it? Exactly. If they if they if they just uh, genuinely and honestly want to know truth, uh, I have no problem. I am very very patient with people asking me questions. I have no problem answering the questions. And uh, sometimes I get a little frustrated with people that ask the same questions twenty five <laughs> times. But uh, I, I have no problem uh, people asking questions. But uh, I do have a problem with people that that, that their intent. Is not to ask a question to find out the truth. Their intent is to prove you wrong no matter what, yeah. to win their argument. They are not interested in truth. They don't have the spirit of truth. Yes, that's right. Yeah, let's do a five-part series on how brother so-and-so was incorrect in his doctrine. I mean, that is not okay. That's a spirit of strife, isn't it? Exactly. It's a spirit of strife. People that operate on that in the spirit of strife, spirit of argument, they are very argumentative, very strifeful. Those people eventually, nobody will want anything to do with them. Yeah. They will claim to have all the truth. They will say that uh, I am the only one, you know, like a like Elijah. You know, I'm the last one left. You know, I'm the, <laughs> the, there's no one else out there, Lord. And the Lord said, Elijah, back off, sit down, boy, take it easy. There are 6,000 people out there, more of my servants, prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. So, you know, that is the Elijah syndrome, yeah. the cave, the cave mentality. You know, it's only me against me against the world and nobody else has any truth. Not realizing that they may, they are the ones that are off. They are the ones that are wrong. And so people like that, I have seen it, Sheila, and it, it saddens me because I have a father's heart. And I love everybody. I don't want to see anybody hurt. But I have seen it. I have seen good, uh, uh, good-meaning men that started very well. And God showed them many things. The Lord used them. But they began to become dogmatic. The, you know, the, the me, mine, mine attitude. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's got truth. I'm the only one left. And because of that, it alienated everybody else. And eventually, he was rejected by the body of Christ, period. And, uh, and then because of that, he basically, in, instead of humbling himself yes. and saying, look, I, I am wrong, I repent, I'm sorry. Instead of doing that, I'm being healed, right? I'm being restored. This person I know continued. He just, I mean, he just doubled down and just continued to insist that he was right. He had all the truth. And what happened was very tragic, Sheila, because he wound up into heresy. He, he, he descended into heresy and, uh, you know, one level at a time, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. These things don't happen overnight. No, 
they happen in degrees, uh, you know, and he began to descend into, into, into darkness. He, until he completely was so blind that, that he couldn't tell one thing from another. And eventually he was denying that there was even a devil. And, uh, I mean, I'm just going to quit there because I was really sad and by, I was really hurt because I knew this person. I was friends with him. I even ate at the same table with him, and uh, he was a good man. He was not a bad person. He was a good man, but he fell into into deception and basically became a false cult. I believe that um, if a brother is wrong, okay, uh, it is our duty to go to that brother. That's what the scripture says and say, hey, listen, uh, I believe you're wrong. You may be off on this. Why don't, why don't we come together? Let's talk about this. I want to help you. I love you in Christ. Uh, I believe you are a brother in the Lord, but but you're wrong. Yeah. And uh, instead instead of um, writing articles about them or saying unkind things about them or preaching about them. But you know, Sheila, the thing is that this thing is not new. This thing is not new. I was a pastor in Miami for several years, seven years plus. And, uh, you know, I was minding my own business. I was uh, seeing people set free. We had a ministry of deliverance that nobody else had in that area. I, I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about 19 in the 1980s, late 1980s. Okay, that was a long, long time ago when the only people out there that were practicing deliverance was uh, Hammond and a couple of others. That was it. I mean, uh, Shambach, and that was it. You know, <laughs> a few people, few people, very few people out there that were practicing the deliverance. I mean, in this country, at least in this country, I know overseas. Sure, but not in this country. And uh, and so we were doing deliverance back then. The Lord brought that ministry to us. We didn't go out looking for it. And uh, you wouldn't believe, uh, Sheila, the unkind things that the, all the preachers there and the pastors wow. would say on the radio against me, calling me false cult, calling me this, calling me all kinds of names in the book, you know, telling the people, you know, have nothing to do with them. Don't follow this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's, instead of calling me, uh, and they had my number, instead of calling me and saying, uh, listen, Augusto, uh, I want I, I, I want to help you. Uh, I don't agree with you. I love you as a brother, but, but yeah, I don't, I, you know, you're wrong in this and you're wrong in that. I think I only have one guy, Sheila, in all those years, only one that did that. Wow. And you know, on the other hand, they would say, I love you. I'm you know, beloved. Jesus loves you, blah, blah, blah. But they, they show no love at, at all. And so the bottom line is these people, they did this because we were growing. We were very, very popular. People were talking about us all over because there were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles there that were happening. People were receiving. In every one of our, our meetings, people would receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. They would receive their prayer language. People would be healed. People would be set free. Uh, we would baptize six to 12 people every month, but then the people would leave because of these things that they heard, you see, yeah. the people heard these things on the radio and then they, they became afraid and they said, well, maybe I don't go to that church because these people say it's a false cult. I, and I would, I would call them and I would say, why did you leave? I said, because I heard that you, I said, and what do you believe? You have been in our church. You have felt the spirit of God there. Do you believe we're a false cult? No brother Gustav, but yeah, you know, and so oh. they were doing this Sheila because they wanted the people to go to their church. They wanted people to listen to their ministry. It, it was all about that all along. 
and they kind of uh, manipulated things under the guise of truth, under the guise that um, they were trying to protect the people. You know, we want to protect you so you don't get involved with a fall. You know, that is that is the most manipulative, deceptive uh, strategy that the that the the enemy uses, and people like that use when they want to enlarge their own ministry and kind of put down others that maybe God is using. Right. Well, it goes back to this. There is a way to handle conflict. You know, there's so many umpire Christians. Oh, let's examine this. You know, the microscopic Christians that are looking at everything someone else is doing. But I think people ought to really seek what God is doing in their life, in their ministries, and not be so concerned about every, you know, what everyone else is doing. I think there is a biblical way to handle conflict. But I also see on the heels of all this, what I believe is going to be an incredible year of divine outpouring. It's not surprising that on the heels of that, the enemy is ramping things up. The attacks, the discord, the arguments, the the absolute insanity that's going on in these divisions, this discord sowing, this strife. Christians will deliver other Christians up. There's really a separating of the the sheep and the goats. When people have these conflicts, people get downright nasty, vicious, and vile. And that is absolutely just ungodly. See, there is a way to handle conflict and dissension and arguments, you know, when there is is a a question, uh, when there are questions about certain things. Uh, a doctrine or, or, or other things, there is a way to handle it and there is a way not to handle it. We already spoke about the way not to handle it, and that is spreading false rumors. Because when people spread false rumors, basically what they're doing is they're speaking their own mind. They're speaking their, their particular point of view, how they see it. And that particular point of view is is permeated, okay, is filled with their own belief system, is filled with what they believe, it's filled with their own opinions, whether they're right or wrong, but that is, they're given their opinion, basically, and so their opinion, it may be tainted, their opinion may be fooled or filled with flaws, and so what the way to handle it, uh, this kind of situation, is not like that. The way to handle it is the way the apostles handled it in the early church. Very few, very few people that choose to do that. I remember when we had the first uh, Watchmen's Conference there in the, in Vero Beach at Rick Wiles, True News. Right. He organized it. Uh, I gave him the idea. He thought it was great. And he put it together and he invited me and another Watchman. And uh, I told him, I said, Rick, this is not about doing programs. Yeah. Although we did some programs, but this was about coming together, okay, around a table and, and with no distractions in prayer and seeking the Lord and hammer out some of these things amongst brethren. And uh, we did that for three days. Uh, it was not, uh, we didn't do as much as I wanted to do. There, there are many other things we could have accomplished, but you know, because of time uh, and because of restraints and, and constraints, we were not able to. But it was a step in the right direction. And uh, many, many things were cleared up and many uh, grievances were aired and they were addressed among brethren. And we prayed and the Holy Ghost came down there and uh, took care of things. And this is the way to handle it. And, uh, you know, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, 
it talks about that same thing there as well. Uh, it, it says in, um, in, in Book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 1, And certain men who came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you see, here were some preachers. Let's call them preachers, okay? Back then, the Bible calls them Judaizers, but they were basically Jews that were converted to Christianity, okay? Or Messianic Jews, as they, they're called today. And they went and they started saying, if you don't, if you're not circumcised, okay, and like Moses, you, you cannot be saved. Well, there are some people today that, uh, you know, uh, some of them are uh, Messianic Jews, some are the Hebrew Roots Movement, and, and many others like, like that that are similar, uh, Sheila. They, maybe not that extreme, they maybe don't say you are not saved, but but they go as far as to say that you're, you're wrong and you could end up in hell, you know, yeah. st- stuff like that. And, uh, you know, these are extreme views that they believe with all their heart, obviously, but they're wrong. And so these people existed back then. They existed back then, and they came. And it says in verse 2, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, there we see an argument, and dispute with them, okay, with these people that were saying that, Paul, which was the preacher of grace, God had revealed by revelation, divine revelation and wisdom, these things unto Paul. He spent uh, 14 years in Arabia, in the back parts of the desert there, in his wilderness experience, okay? When he and Barnabas, which was his his comrade, his uh, you know his partner in in missionary trips, when they heard this and saw this, it says they had no small dissension. They, they had big arguments with these people, mm-hmm. and with reason, and disputed with them. And they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other men should go up to uh, should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question, and so. Basically, if you read that whole chapter there in chapter 15, he talks about how they, uh, you know, they gather there in Jerusalem and they were received there by the, the, the church of Jerusalem, which was pastored by Apostle James. Okay, back in those days, apostles pastored churches, not like today. This kind of, uh, uh, you know, two cent pastors that <laughs> preach the gospel of prosperity, you know, Jesus loves you. That's not the way it used to be back then. Back then, apostles raised up churches, they pastored them, and then when the church was doing fine, they left one of their disciples, okay, to continue to pastor the church. Uh, basically, an, ap- an apostle in training, uh, or a prophet in training, or whatever, a teacher in training, they left him there, and then they went establish another work somewhere else. But back then, that church was pastored by the apostle James. Yeah. And he says there they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declare all things that God had done with them. Well, they hammered it out. They spent, I don't know how many days they spent there. They hammered this thing out until at the end, they reached the consensus that those uh, people, those men, that were saying that you had to be circumcised uh, after the manner of Moses or you were not saved, they realized they were wrong and they were proven wrong. And then in the end, all the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers that were there and the elders, they came together, they prayed, they heard everybody, and then they decided. They they uh, <laughs> they declared and that, that those men were wrong and that the, the on the Gentiles' church, uh, they should not put that burden on them. 
and uh, you can read the whole chapter. It's very powerful. I recommend every Christian out there that's listening to this program that you read the book of Acts, chapter 15, from beginning to end, because right there is the, uh, is the, uh, is the declaration of independence for the Christian church from all these bondages and all these decrees and all these things that they have to keep to be saved. There it is very clearly. And so they hammered this thing out. The apostles, Peter, apostle Peter was there. Apostle John was there. James was there. All the other, Paul was there. Barnabas was there. Many of the prophets were there and they were a part of this thing. And so, um, it says there that, uh, if you will, in, in verse 29, to give you kind of the nutshell, okay, of this uh, whole chapter, it, it says there uh, in verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Mm-hmm. This was a letter that Apostle Paul and, and the others were going to take to the Gentile church so that they would not be uh, uh, you know, afraid or, uh, or concern about all these allegations that were being said out there, right? It says, it's, you know, we prayed. Basically, this was the letter. We prayed, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has to be included. Otherwise, <laughs> men are doing things on their own flesh. Yeah. We have to include the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. And so the Holy Spirit was included, and they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Okay, to the Holy Spirit and to all of us, apostles, the fivefold ministry that are here, to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Number one, that you abstain from anything offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, you shall do well, farewell. That was it, Sheila. <laughs> that was the the sum of the of the commandments that they gave the Gentile church. Stay away from sin, and beside that, you know, do not sin. But aside from that, don't eat anything offered to idols, blood, and things strangled, and from fornication. That's it. And so, you know, that settled the whole thing. You know, the circumcision thing, the Sabbath thing, all those things. Which, if the Christians want to observe the Sabbath. Every week, praise God. Do it. You have liberty to do that. Absolutely. And it is a beautiful thing. I do it, but I don't, I don't do it as a, as a ritual or as a thing that I have to do. Uh, you know, if I don't do it, bless God, I will be uh, punished. No, it is a beautiful thing to observe the festivals. We observe the festivals. We, you know, I, we, I fast during Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Yom Kippur. It is a beautiful thing. I, re, I remember what happens in those days, what it means, the symbology. The Sabbath, basically, uh, if you want to observe it, it is, a beautiful, it is a beautiful time to remember when Jesus took you out of the world, the things he forgave you of. The same with Passover. Passover is a beautiful feast if you want to celebrate it, but not because you have to or you're condemned to hell. You know, celebrate it and then think about when Jesus took you out of the world. You know, he passed over you and uh, he forgave you all your sins. Make it a day of remembrance. Make it a day of celebration. You know, So there is a way to look at these things, and there's a way, wrong way to do it. And that way is uh, selfish legalistic, oppressive, dictatorial, and ungodly. Dogmatic too, right? 
Very dogmatic. My way or you're wrong or you're out. <laughs> My way or the highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in the waning moments, Augusto, I'd love you to tell, especially the new listeners, what you're doing on your show. What have you got planned in terms of shows? Because I know you've done an incredible spiritual warfare series, your deliverance series. I think that's still on. What's on the agenda for your ministry, Augusto? Tomorrow we do the mailbag show. And then Thursday we do the uh, uh, deliverance, the children's bread. And, and we touched on many of these things. But one, one thing I want to just emphasize about that, Sheila, is the fact that uh, people that do these kinds of things and operate like this, they are operating from a spirit of fear, from a spirit of rejection from a spirit of pride. Basically, all of these things are strongholds. And so these are people that are very insecure, very insecure in who they are in Christ. And because of that, they they manifest that insecurity, that fear, that bondage in, the, in, in being so opinionated, being so stubborn, being so arrogant and proudful. When a person is like this, uh, if you are amongst those, listen to what I'm going to tell you, okay? When a person is moved by fear like this and pride and arrogance, they're going to have wrong thoughts, okay? They're going to have wrong beliefs. They're going to lack truth concerning God and the Bible. They're going to not live a right life, okay? It's, their lives is not going to reflect the Lord. It's not going to reflect God, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, they're not going to be able to fulfill their purposes, God's purposes in their life, okay? And because of this, they're going to get into arguments with anybody and with everything, and they are not going to yield an inch yeah. because they're, they're insecure. They are very insecure, and they believe that if they acknowledge that they are wrong, they're going to be lesser, less of a person, and they're going to lose credibility. And, you know, that is arrogance. That is pride. Yes. And God resists and hates the proud. And so the people need to understand that. And we need to begin to move in faith rather than fear. We need to begin to have the right thoughts rather than the wrong thoughts. Rather than We need to have positive thoughts rather than negative thoughts. One of the, of, of the plagues, if I can call it that, of the, an epidemic that I see today uh, is people that are moving in fear. And they listen to all of this negative news and all of this negative stuff. And what that does, because they are not listening, you know, we can listen to these things. But if you, if you don't know who you are in Christ and you are not living a life full of God, full of his spirit and full of faith, and you listen to these things continually, you're going to begin to have a spirit of fear upon you. You're going to move in fear. You're not going to move in faith. Fear is the opposite of love. Perfect love. There's, there's a reason why scripture says perfect love casteth out fear. Amen. And so when you move in fear like that, you know, fear of tomorrow, you know, some people are addicted to fear. Yes. They have to get their dose of fear every single day or they don't feel uh, satisfied. And so the, the, the people out there know this. And they are fear, uh, if you will, fear marketers. They're, they're fear mongers. They sell fear. They sell the, a, a tabloids of fear or programs of fear. And so we have to stay, we have to uh, get away from that, brethren. We have to get away with that. We have to report truth. We have to report uh, current events. 
But we have to do it not with a spirit of fear, yes. but with a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And then once we report things that could happen, bad things that could happen, there is a way to deal with that. And that is called prayer. And that is called faith. And there's a lot more I can talk about that, Sheila. But, uh, you know, uh, we can literally shift a timeline if we pray enough and we exercise our prayer and our faith in the right way. And so we need to know what's going on. And thank God for those men out there and those women like yourself and others that are doing the research, they're doing the study, they're putting the uh, news out there, reports about things that are, are happening or may happen. That is an incredible service to Christianity. But let's not just stop there. Let's go the next step. Let's go to a higher level and now begin to address those things in prayer. Absolutely. I agree with prayer. And you know, Augusto, actually, one of the things the Lord did, he literally stopped me dead in the middle of a show and literally said to me really sternly, you're reporting all this, but what are you giving them? If you put fear into my people, you're going to be in trouble. What is the antidote that you're giving them? And I thought, what, Lord? And that's when the book Power Prayers really started to stir and, and mull in my mind that people need the antidote to this, which is prayer, exercising our authority. That's so important for the people to equip them on how to combat all this insanity. We have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. And so the Lord dealt with me on that. Just very interesting. Augusto, what would be your advice in these last few minutes of the show to the people listening today? Well, people, focus on those things that are good. Focus on those things that are lovely. Focus on those things that bring joy and peace. Shalom. And let's not focus on, the, on things that cause fear and terror, because that is not profitable. It will hinder uh, you from making righteous decisions according to the will of the Father. And we, need, we, we have a lot to do. We still have a lot to do on this planet and on this country. It's not over. Uh, we're just getting started. And we have to bring in the harvest. We have to prepare those that come in. And so uh, become a, an intercessor, become a prayer warrior. Ask the Lord what you can do for him. And stop asking him what he can do for you. So God bless you. And thanks for having me, Sheila. Thank you, Augusto. Folks, that was Augusto Perez from the appearance.com do bookmark his site and go check out his broadcasts again the mailbag show tuesdays and thursdays he's doing his teaching on deliverance the children's bread such an incredible teacher just such an incredible guy do reach out to augusto and let him know you heard him on the program tomorrow on the program is pastor from california pastor bill french and thursday is mark taylor is back you know, the Florida fireman who predicted the Trump win. I had him on before Trump was actually inaugurated. And so now that Trump's been in office a month or so, he's got some thoughts. So that's going to be a really good show. Then on Friday, Sharon Mulkey joins us on an incredible topic. It's going to be a fantastic week. And don't forget, if you have not picked up a copy of Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, go to powerprayers.ca. And I'm looking forward to testimonies. If you have the book and you have a testimony, get a hold of me by email, put in the subject line, 
Power Prayers Testimony. I want to start doing a few shows on testimonies coming up. First week of March, I want to have a show on testimony, so do that. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today. Good night, and God bless.